You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It's a Thursday here on the Blogging the Boys podcast network, and that means it's time to get riled up on the Cowboys with my man Tom Ryle and your boy Roy White at RW3 on Twitter. You can follow him at TomRyleBTB, and of course you can follow all the great programming here at Blogging the Boys on the SB Nation podcast network at Blogging the Boys. Now, boy, Tom, uh, this has been quite a week. A week ago, I gave you my confidence meter with Dak Prescott, my concern meter. I think I had dropped it down to a one on whether or not he was going to play. And then sure enough, uh, there was really no indication that he was ever going to play last week. And Cooper Rush wound up manning the troops, getting them a somewhat unexpected victory in Minnesota, at least by the odds makers who had the Vikings favored in that game. And from a lot of Cowboys fans standpoint, who thought that Cooper Rush would in no way be able to deliver a win, much less the a win on his very first NFL start. But either way, all that being said, the Cowboys win their sixth game in a row. They not only sit atop the NFC East, but they also sit on the throne of the NFC, or at least semi on the throne of the NFC, in the loss column. Every other team in the NFC competing for the number one seed currently has one loss including some of the teams that we will discuss here in the pod. But now we drive forward towards Denver. What is your concern meter for Dak Prescott and his ability to be a go against the Denver Broncos this weekend? Well, I was absolutely wrong last week, just like you were. So it's almost scary to say it. Right. However, the reports (laughs) are that he is – operating much more like a normal practice week already with just, uh, you know, Wednesday in the can uh, at the time that we're recording this. And the the word coming out, there's not this caution and hesitation. They're kind of leaning towards Dak being ready to go. So I, I'm going to say that my concern was only about a one or two that maybe he could have that calf tighten up on him or something. But I think we're going to see him play. And it's not nearly as much of a worry uh, because we saw what happened when Cooper Rush went up against a uh, 500 team and was able to hand them a loss on their home turf. Now they're going to be back at AT AT&T Stadium. So I feel pretty good about the game, and I think we'll see Dak Prescott play. Um, Don't know if we're going to see Tyron Smith, which is going to be interesting how that works out because – you know, the word is that it looks kind of shaky. That was uh, Mike McCarthy. I can't remember quite how he phrased it, but he said it looks like – I think he said it would be a stretch for uh, Tyron to be ready to go. So now they've got to figure out basically how do they work Lyle Collins back into the mix? Does he come in at right tackle? 
Do they move Steele over left tackle? Do they trust Ty and Seki, who survived but didn't thrive once uh, Tyron went out? Uh, do they bring Lyle in at left tackle and keep Steele at right tackle? There, that's going to be a very interesting juggling act. And after seeing how Dr. Evil McCarthy did with the Dak Prescott stuff and had most of Cowboys Nation fooled, uh, thinking that Prescott was going to drive through and make it, uh, and it was right up to a game-time decision, literally was, and the uh, the Vikings didn't prepare for not seeing Dak at all. Uh, so maybe that helped rush a little bit. I would not be surprised if we didn't find out who how they were doing handling the tackle position, even if uh, Tyron is declared out. I think who lines up left and right tackle might literally be revealed the first time they line up on offense. Yeah, and McCarthy, I love McCarthy basically said as much. He said he wants the rest of the media, the rest of the uh, Cowboys nation to find out at the same time the Denver Broncos do, which will be on Sunday when the two teams face off. You mentioned Tyron Smith, and, and yes, McCarthy did say it'd be a stretch for him to play. That's probably one that we're going to need to keep an eye on for the rest of the season. Um, a yeah. bone spur that Tyron Smith is dealing with, you know, it's it's not the same as the the neck or the back that he's dealt with in the past, but it is one of those that's not going away anytime soon, right? Yeah. Not without surgery. So yeah, I have I I uh, I, I have dealt with uh, with if, if it's the same thing that they diagnosed in me as a bone spur, I dealt with it, and it took a few weeks in a walking boot and a lot of rest. And that was the only thing. And then it went away and has never come back. So it's not one of those things that's necessarily an ongoing issue for the rest of his career. But yeah, there's just not a quick fix for it. There isn't you anything need you surgery really... on it. Did you need surgery on it? Apparently, there's not really a whole lot they can do sur- surgically. You just have to let the thing go go away on its own i don't know if it's a if it's actually a bone issue or not it might be just one of those things where the common term isn't really descriptive of it because the way they described it to me is it's more a tendon issue and the only real treatment is just rest and letting the thing heal up okay well that'll be interesting to see how they play it as you mentioned uh lyle collins working his way back in uh, you have Terrence Steele and and how they'll work him into the mix as well or how they will continue to work him into the mix because they've already worked him into the mix. Who knows? Maybe the route there is more of the Hulk formation, Tom. Uh, yeah. <laughs> more of the Hulk package, as Zach Martin revealed to us after the game. That is the package that includes both Connor McGovern and Lyle Collins in the backfield flanking Zeke in that diamond-type formation that the Cowboys ran just four times against the Vikings. Um, not one we saw a lot of, but I think it's one we're going to see a little more of going forward because yeah. the possibilities of that are somewhat endless. And yeah. I get excited about what I think that they can do with that because not only does it provide Dak Prescott with an absurd amount of potential protection if they do want to drop back and pass, but it also gives Zeke Elliott these incredible blocking talents flanking him that are, that we're not talking about tight ends now, right? We're talking if these guys get back on linebackers that could be night, night, and that could be a house call. 
for Ezekiel Elliott. So I really hope they find, and then ultimately the most glorious thing that could come from this package, right? The thing we would all root for. And that is the fat guy O-lineman touchdown, because at some point <laughs> they're going to find out whether or not Connor McGovern or Ty Secchi, if he's the one back there, or Leo Collins, they're going to find out if any of those guys can catch a football around the goal line. I promise you that will take place at some point this season out of that formation. Yeah, and if they are really uh, interested in keeping it, since it looks like you're not going to have Lyle available because he's going to be probably playing at one of the tackle spots, they could activate Matt Farniuk, and he could see some action back there as the other part of that that whole package. Uh, and, yeah, I, I think they've got – it's one of those things you want – we're rolling it out four, five, six times a game is probably optimal – you don't want to show it a lot. It just wants to be that thing that comes out that people really can't be terribly prepared for because they never see it. Uh, just like having Cedric Wilson drop back and throw a pass. I think you ought to try that about once a game. Yeah. Uh, but these are the small little so wrinkles. Like these are the small little tweaks that we always wished Jason Garrett was capable of creating and he never gave us. And yet Kellen Moore in just really his third year at the helm having an unbelievable amount of creativity to bring to the table. And, and he was quick to, you know, kind of give credit all over the place, right? They talked about it as, as a formation that they had developed when they got together and just were trying to figure out how to get Lyle Collins back on the field when they didn't necessarily have a starting spot for him. And this is one of those things that they came up with. Well, now I think we're looking at a, almost a Frankenstein, like a mad scientist wizardry where they're going to be able to utilize this more and more. And as you said, right, five to six times a game, that's all you need to show to get teams to overcompensate in the future when they see that package. And that's when things will open up in the passing game. Like I sort of mentioned to you, the other, you know, candid part though of that is if you have those three guys in the backfield and you've got two players on the outside and Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb, I don't care what the defensive package is against them. If I have five blockers in the backfield that are all offensive linemen, I think I'll take my chances with those guys having six to seven seconds to get open, even against <laughs> triple coverage. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like you said, if one of them has any kind of hands at all, who's going to be going to be looking to cover, uh, you know, McGovern leaking out of the backfield or, you know, of course it'd have to be one of them, but, you know, uh, I mean, yeah, it's just like, for a defensive coordinator, that's kind of just be like, what do I tell my guys to key on? Yeah. Because a, I don't see that existing anywhere in the NFL except the Cowboys, the way they've used it. I've never seen that formation. And with, it almost makes you two. ask, why hasn't it been used more so? Why haven't more teams done it? And perhaps it's an indication that the offensive line depth around the NFL is not necessarily what we sometimes believe it to be, right? It's very it shallow. Also, it also may be a tribute to the athleticism in the Dallas O-line room. Amen. 
Well, just another wrinkle that they're bringing to the table as the Cowboys have consistently done that, and they did that again against the Minnesota Vikings, finding a way to pick up a victory in Minnesota on the road, 20-16. to So now we look forward, and I'm going to ask this question because I know I've been thinking about it for a few weeks now, but when we look at the division, the Cowboys are going to run away with it. In fact, I think Vegas odds have them at like one to 20 favorites to now win the division, which means in order to win $1, you've got to bet 20, right? Yeah. That's an overwhelming favorite. But at what point did you, Tom, begin to look around the rest of the NFC and start to say, I know there's only one buy spot available this year, but I'll be damned if I don't think the Cowboys have a good shot to be that team. It was before the bye. Uh, I can't say exactly when, but when all of a sudden they were sitting there at five and one. And at the time, the only undefeated team left was the Cardinals. And you knew there had to be a loss coming because you just looked at the people, the teams they still have to play. You figure they were going to pick up one loss somewhere along the way. By by about this time and and or shortly thereafter and so yeah they've picked up a loss, um, you know we've already seen the Buccaneers the mighty vaunted Buccaneers have have messed up twice, um, you know thanks to well I would say messed the, up once they messed up against the Saints them losing to the Rams they got beat. Yeah, the Ram, the Rams. That's not a mess up, but against the Saints, you know, and they got in the position where, you know, they're facing a team that has lost its starting quarterback for the season halfway through that game or whenever it was uh, that the uh, Jameis Winston James was hurt. Down, yep. Yeah, uh, they're going against the backup, uh, and uh, it's not even the the. The guy that's supposed to be the number two because Taysom Hill was not back from his injury yet. So now they go out there, uh, they they give up the lead, and then you've got the most dangerous man in football, Tom Brady, who's just going to drive down there and put the points up on the board to win. Only he throws a pick six. Hmm. Which was the 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 last outcome, I think most of football expected from that. So they've had a stumble that may be. Well, no, the only I expected one. it. He'd done it before. You know, I know he yeah. went on a playoff a big Super Bowl run, but he did also throw an interception that ended his career in New England against the yeah. Tennessee Titans in the playoffs, by the way, for yeah. those that don't remember. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I'm worried if that's maybe his only one for the season. So he, they could still be a challenge, but, all of a sudden, the Cowboys, like you said, are tied in the loss column with them. Um, well, they're beating the Bucs in the loss they're column. They're ahead yeah. of them in the loss column, which leaves them tied with the Rams. Uh, the Packers and the Cardinals. And the Cardinals, yeah. And, and to and, me, you know, when it started for me is when the Rams lost to the Cardinals on October 3rd. Because mm-hmm. at that time, I thought the Rams looked like such the complete team that they might just run off and, and go undefeated this season. Now, I know that's like hyperbole a little bit. Everybody has a stumbling block at some point. But when they stumbled and got beat by 17 at home against Arizona, I thought, okay, 
That's a team they're going to have to play again this season. And they've still got some tough matchups upcoming, including a, a game in a couple weeks against the Green Bay Packers, another team that's on the Cowboys hit list. And so when you start to kind of look at how that's played out, and, and like I said, the Rams, when they lost, I said, okay, this is something we're going to have to pay attention to because the Rams and the Cardinals could very well beat each other up in, in one of the tougher divisions in football. Now with Russell Wilson not being in there, it's not as tough as it once appeared to be. But even with that being said, the Rams have that game against the Packers, as I mentioned, and they've still got a couple tough games coming up. The Cowboys, as we look ahead, I don't really know if they have many tough games coming up. And no. if it's going to take 15 wins to be the number one seed in the NFC, I could absolutely see the Cowboys getting to that number. It's conceivable. You know, I, I, I sat down and looked at the, the next five games coming up. And what's a little remarkable is that every one of, team, one of the teams they face suddenly has a big personnel issue as do the Green Bay Packers, which I hope, want to make sure we get back to talking about a little bit before we mm-hmm. wrap this up. But, you know, the, the, the Broncos, first off, they're four and four, and a lot of people were looking at that as kind of a shaky four and four because they're having trouble scoring a lot of points with Teddy Bridgewater. Well, I'll tell uh, you how I make it look shaky. They're one and four in their last five games, Tom. Yeah, that's probably – a better way of looking at it. Uh, and, and what had maybe kept them competitive to this point was their defense. And so what do they do at the trade deadline? Hmm. They, they trade away Von Miller. They uh, trade away their defense. <laughs> yeah. They, which basically says they have declared they're going into rebuilding mode, which seems awfully early to do that. Uh, maybe they know something about their team that we don't know, but, that that's that seems like they're waving a white flag already. Uh, so now I agree. Cow- so quick the Cowboys- sidebar, quick sidebar on the Broncos because I think about them and I especially think about them now going into this meeting. If you could do it over, and you picked in front of Denver, would you take Sertain, or would you still go Micah Parsons? Knowing what I know now. At the time, I would have taken Sertain. Knowing what I know now, no way I would pass on Michael Parsons. I absolutely agree. He flipped and, me. You know, I mean, he just, uh, especially with this last game, uh, you know, four tackle for losses. He basically was what kept their running game from getting on track. Uh, you know, he was all over the field, just showing out. And it was I know, an amazing. I thought he couldn't make that kind of impact as a linebacker, but it sure as hell looked like he had a big impact yeah. on the game. He still that. had some uh, some plays from the end, but he was primarily patrolling the helping patrol the middle. And it was interesting. The observation was made that they gave the green dot to Jaron Curse and took it off of Parsons, and that seemed to free him up to focus on what he was doing and not having to call the whole defense. Uh, another one of those little in-game adjustment thing or adjustments they've made before the game that Dan Quinn is making that we just did not see with Mike Nolan last year. Uh, 
I just can't say enough about what this coaching staff is doing everywhere, except for uh, some problems that uh, poor old Bones Fossil is having with penalties. But this is just, you know, I, I just I think that the uh, with with having one without Dak Prescott, the confidence level, the 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 aggression. The, the, you know, the killer instinct that the Cowboys are going to come into that game with is just going to be through the roof. I 100% agree, and we'll get to our predictions against the Broncos here this weekend. But as you mentioned, you took a look at not just the Broncos, but the next several teams the Cowboys will be facing. And the next team the Cowboys will be facing after Denver will be the Atlanta Falcons, who I'm also told have some personnel issues. Yeah, um, and help me out. What's the name of the receiver? Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley. Week. Yes, and and first off, more power to Calvin Ridley because he admits he's got some issues personally that must be dealt with before he can put his focus on football. But he is stepping away from the game was the way it, he phrased it. And – He's one of the three biggest offensive weapons. You know, they, they've got they've still got Kyle Pitts, but is a tight end really going to beat you? And I not when you really have Michael like Parsons. He's not. Yeah, and uh, you know, I'm really, really impressed with what the Cowboys' defense did to adjust against the Vikings, who at this point I think certainly had better receiving weapons than the Falcons are going to present. So, you know, here we stand. Uh, I, the, they've, they've been putting up a good bit of points with a, you know, kind of bottom of the tier, bottom tier defense, like in the bottom third kind of defense. But now they've lost a big chunk of that offense. And, you know, Matty Ice ain't what he used to be. So it's going to be interesting to me to see that. I just see this as another game the Cowboys – should be able to take on with no problems. No doubt from me either. Two for two, I think the Cowboys will be over the next two weeks. And then we get to the anomaly of the NFL season. Because the Kansas City Chiefs, the 2020 version and the pre-2021 version, we're as scary of a team as you could draw up on, on paper. And mm-hmm. yet now here they sit at four and four and looking as vulnerable as ever to the point that I think the Cowboys will be favored in that game. And yeah, it's almost looking like the Cowboys may be the, you know, the feared in that game, right? The hunted in that game versus Kansas city, who I would have thought, would be the team that would somewhat be being chased. Now I think the pressure in that game is on Kansas city to keep up with what the Cowboys will be able to do to that defense offensively. Yeah. Everybody's asking what's happened to Patrick Mahomes. And I think that the, the answer is that he's getting no help from the defense. It made me think back to the Cowboys in 2019 when Dak Prescott was wheeling and dealing and the defense couldn't stop a kid on a tricycle, you know, it, <laughs> they, 
that's what that's what Mahomes is facing. Doesn't matter how much he scores, the other team is able to come back and match him, even fairly poor teams. Uh, you know, when you go up against the New York football giants mm-hmm. and just barely squeak out a late win, yeah, that ain't good. And so I don't think it's so much that, that there's anything wrong with Mahomes. He's trying to take too much onto his shoulders because nobody else is shouldering the load. And as a result, he's he's thrown 19 touchdowns, but 10 interceptions. And that's where the problem is. Those turnovers are killing him. Uh, they're just not getting it, able to get it done. Uh, you know, they have a problem. Right now, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, their best running back, is out. There may be enough time for him to get back on the field, but that's a question mark. And if he's not back, then that's just going to put more pressure on Mahomes. And right now, he's not dealing with it very well. Yeah, I think he's still one of the absolute most talented quarterbacks in the league. But it just proves my old adage, a football team is 11 men on a field. One player by himself cannot win anything. That's very much being proven and looks to be the case for the Kansas City Chiefs. So three weeks in a row, three major personnel issues. Can we do four in a row? Uh, let's see. That would be Vegas next up on the list. Oh, yeah. Something. Did they have anything personnel-wise that has happened yeah. recently? And, pl- and I want to be very careful. I don't want to treat this at all lightly. No, it's not a light situation. In fact, it's a it's a horrible, awful situation that uh, everybody involved. You just your heart goes out to them, and you want to pray for them. Yeah. Even even the stupidity of Henry Ruggs and the decision that he made. Yeah. Um, I still feel some empathy for the guy because he just lost everything in his life. Yeah, everything he, he that is- he worked for is gone in an instant of a terrible decision and the guilt that will accompany him for the death of the 23 year old woman that was involved in the car accident he committed. Yeah. If I understand correctly, uh, you know, given all the circumstances that have been reported and these are just the allegations right now, but you know, a lot of them just seem to be facts from the police report that, you know, he was, he was double the legal limit. At one point, driving over 155 miles an hour in a residential area uh, and slammed into a vehicle and did, unfortunately, kill a young woman. Um, And like you said, he he is, from what I understand, he's facing a minimum of two years jail, prison time. And and we're not talking county jail. We're talking prison. Um, Yeah, his, I mean, he may come back. If he gets a light sentence, he may come back and have a chance to try again. But he also may never play another down of football, you know, and he was just getting started. Uh, and, and this to me was, you know, a game that I was, you know, kind of almost sad that I felt the Cowboys were going to win even before that happened because Rich Bisaccia, a very deserving uh former special teams coordinator for Dallas uh, has two wins in a, in a row as the interim head coach after John Gruden resigned. I'm putting that air quotes. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and so I, I was pleased to see Bisaccia having some success. I just didn't want him to have success in this particular game. 
now it just got a whole lot harder. Uh, so I, I just don't know what's going to happen. Um, it was this was one of the games I was looking at where I just noticed something interesting. That if you if you're looking at uh, what teams are doing offensively um, in scoring, which to me is the only real thing that matters, there's a remarkable thing about you know Dallas is third in the league with the Buccaneers and the Bills right ahead of them. They all have between 32 and 33 points a game. And then it falls off. And you get down to to about the 10 spot. And by gum, you're down to teams that are only scoring 25, 26 points a game. Uh, Six points difference in your average per game at this point in the season is huge. So we are literally seeing a point where you've got a handful of elite teams at the top that are scoring a lot of points. Basically, the Rams, Cardinals, uh, Cowboys, Bucks, and the Bills are all 30 a game or more. And then it just there's just people that aren't putting up many points. And uh, so the Cowboys are, are coming into a game where, you know, even though the other team looks like, oh, they're ranked so so yeah, they're actually further behind than that looks. So, and, and that's, I think, where the win – and. Now that they've gotten over the low-scoring game with Cooper Rush in relief, I think we're going to see the Cowboys back on a tear. Hopefully Dak Prescott will still be there and healthy and playing well. And that's another one I think you got to favor the Cowboys. You know, it, you know, we mentioned about this going, speaking about being favored, you know, Vegas has the Cowboys up on the Broncos, not just a little bit. I've seen between seven and ten points for the spreads. That's huge in the NFL. So – can we say that the the Vegas game is probably the fourth winner in a row? I'm going to say that because certainly those first three, the Cowboys' prospects of scoring 30-plus are very good. Denver's defense, perhaps not, but again, they lost a major piece of that this week when they traded away Von Miller. Mm-hmm. We know the Falcons, Falcons' defense has been trash, and – the Chiefs defense has been arguably even worse, maybe the worst in the league. The Raiders are the first team that the Cowboys come up against where I think you can at least say the defense is respectable. But again, we just detailed the major personnel issue that they will be dealing with. Can they really beat you an entire game with a a terrific tight end and Darren Waller, who, you know, has been very, very good this season, although not spectacular as he was a season ago, and really the only other weapon that I consider to be a threat at this point, which is Hunter Renfro, right? Cole yeah. Beasley for, you know, a, a cheaper Cole Beasley, if you will, a poor man's Cole Beasley, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, we get to the fifth team of the next five weeks that the Dallas Cowboys will face, who is also facing a glaring personnel issue. And by the way, Tom, a personnel issue, another personnel issue that I thought they might have solved by the time they face the Dallas Cowboys, now looks like it could be up in the air as well, and that is the New Orleans Saints, who the Cowboys yeah. will face after Vegas. Yeah, it looked like they had found a quarterback that Sean Payton could work with, and and this team really had a chance. And then Jameis Winston is lost for the season with another, I believe it was another ACL problem. It was. 
as we confirmed and, in the post locker room celebration video on TikTok, as he was yeah. dancing a jig on crutches. Uh, it's yep. sad to see Jameis Winston go down like that, but hey, uh, you know that's uh, unfortunately the way that it goes. The Cowboys had to deal with it last year when their starting quarterback went down, so I don't feel too bad for the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, and uh, now they've got to figure out: do they want to ride with Trevor Simeon, who came in and uh, was one of the many backups that pulled it out of the fire for his team uh, last weekend? Or now it looks like Taysom Hill is going to be available. Will Sean Payton roll with him? So, you know, we may see some McCarthy-esque game, uh, games being played with the, uh, the, the media and uh, their, their upcoming opponents. But by the time we get to the Cowboys, we're going to know who we're facing. And uh, uh, they, they are a team that's winning with defense, uh, with a, a little bit better than above average offense and a stout defense. But how much is their offense going to be able to hold up? Because I don't think either Simeon or Hill is going to be quite the passing threat that uh, Winston was reestablishing himself as. Um, so once again, now, this one is far enough out. We're going to have to wait to let things percolate a little bit. But if you are going from what you see right now, yeah, this is five games in a row that I think the Cowboys should be favored in. Yeah, and not to mention, this was going to be a game where at least most people were expecting that Michael Thomas, the star wide receiver for the Saints, would yes. be back at some point this season after he started the season on IR. Well, as of this week, Thomas announcing that he is done for the rest of the season with an ankle yeah. injury, a different ankle injury. So yeah. that will be the end for him, and presumably that will be the end of, of really the significant threats that the New Orleans Saints possess. Now, they still got Alvin Kamara, but again, mm -hmm. as we've talked about, one man does not a football team make, certainly does not and, a competitive and football team make. And I don't think the Saints are constructed to be a, a lean heavy on the running game the way the Titans were before Derrick Henry went down. Yes, also true. Um, and watch out because Adrian Peterson's back in the league and maybe starting this weekend in old King Henry's place. That will be a sight to see for, uh, for DFW sports fans and those who followed his career all the way back to his days at Oklahoma. But yeah, uh, with that, Tom – Go ahead. I was just I was just gonna say, yeah, with having A D back in the league, it's like you're getting nostalgic and seeing him playing in front of you. It's like a weird emotional feeling. But <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's yeah, I, I are we gonna get back to talking about the race for the bye? Because as we saw today, one of the chief threats or one of the teams that has been since the beginning of the season mentioned as one of the uh, well, at least after they got over their, their first game loss, they've been right in the thick of things. And one of the teams everybody was saying was one of the favorites to get the number one seed in that first round by the good old Green Bay Packers. Suddenly they've got a slight personnel issue. What do you mean they have to replace Jalen Smith in their linebacking core mm -hmm. after cutting him this well, week? I know, Is that the big move? I know that's. Yeah, I know that was no, it seemed it, somebody else. There was somebody, oh, yeah, 
Aaron Rodgers has oh, been the Jeopardy host. Out. Okay. Yeah, who put himself in jeopardy with his apparent refusal to get a vaccination, but not really telling everybody up front that he was refusing to get a vaccination. And now not only is he out under the COVID protocol because he tested positive as an unvaccinated player, uh, not only did he come out and say the thing, I'm immunized, which was an evasive answer to not directly tell people what was going on. There could be further penalties, even including a a suspension involved over violation of the league's COVID protocols. Uh, The league is looking into it, but there's some, some questions about what the real guidance was, but it still seemed obvious that that Rogers was uh, participating in everything as if he was a fully vaccinated player, mm-hmm. not under the separate rules that unvaccinated players have. And not only uh, that, he clearly knew that he was going mm-hmm. along with a ruse because a document, a statement came out in an article earlier this week, basically saying that Rogers had applied to the NFL to get, some type of alternative treatment treatment that he had received passed and, you know, supplied as being vaccinated and the league denied him that request. So that was done before the season began, which means Rogers knew what he was doing the entire time. And he knew that the league did not consider him vaccinated. And yet he still continued to not wear a mask and violate the league's policy quite honestly, you know, almost brazenly um, mm-hmm. as Arrogantly. if it was above it. Yeah, and of course, prior to taking action this week, that left the Green Bay Packers with one quarterback, Jordan Love, Rogers' beloved protege, on the team. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, there's a little tension there, but So I'm sure I bet you love hasn't been getting a whole lot of tips from Aaron along the way, but he was the only quarterback they had. So news came out on Wednesday that they are expect that they are, have already signed or expected to sign Blake Bortles to the practice squad that so they can elevate him uh, to the game day roster. Wow. That's gotta have (laughs) Packers fans feeling good. You know Were I Green Bay going into this weekend's matchup against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, I'd have felt real good. Uh, Without Aaron Rodgers, eh, you know, maybe that defense in Kansas City looks a little bit better this weekend. Yeah, and it it, that could be this could be the game where Mahomes gets better, which is bad news for Dallas, but it could be good news in the long run because I think the Cowboys will still be able to handle the chiefs. And if they can knock the green Bay Packers off all of a sudden that, that pool of players fighting for the buy is shrinking and that would leave the two main contenders, the Rams and the Cardinals. And only one of them can finish ahead of Dallas in the seating. Now, now I, I will say, the Packers do have a great history of getting performance out of backup quarterbacks and pulling on unexpected mm-hmm. wins. Oh, wait, that was when Mike McCarthy was head coach. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, it is. <laughs> I, I, I still look at the team, you know, if I'm picking the teams that I'm most concerned about the Cowboys having to face for the number one seed, it's probably not the teams most people think or the team most people thinks, but I think it's the team that the Cowboys are going to face on their schedule in the second to last game of the season. It's the Arizona mm-hmm. Cardinals. And that game is probably going to decide, in my opinion, yeah. who gets the one seed. Because the Cardinals will only face the Rams as the team that right now on their schedule is above 500. Their yeah. next seven games, 49ers, Panthers, Seahawks, Bears, Rams, Lions, Colts. The Cardinals might be making the same type of win streak that the Cowboys can, which again, if the Cowboys lose one between now and then, and the Cardinals lose one between now and then, presumably the only game I see the Cardinals losing in that stretch is against the Rams. Then on January 2nd, to start the new year, the Cowboys and Cardinals will be playing for the one seed in the NFC. Yeah, the the, the Cardinals had uh, one of the best strengths of schedule up to this point in the season. Now they're hitting a real easy stretch. Yes. Cowboys have had a fairly easy strength of schedule. It just doesn't get much worse for them the rest of the way out. As you said, that Cardinals game may be the, the one that's really going to be the biggest challenge. And we don't know at this point if that's even still going to mean anything. You know, one of the two could have locked up or, or could at least be locked into their seating at that point. So we've still got to find out. But there is one other thing about the Cowboys that I think is a very positive thing. And that was something that uh, uh, Aiden Davis, our chart master at blogging the boys, put together a thing looking at the, uh, the EPAs uh, for both uh, the offense and the defense, which is expected points added per play. And he uses a three-game rolling average to kind of smooth it out. Since late last season and including all of this season, which is basically the second half of Mike McCarthy's tenure when you look at total games, he's now uh, coached 23 games. The Cowboys have gotten on the plus side of EPA, which is actually negative for defense. It's good as is negative is good on defense, but the Cowboys are in the good side of things on both offense and defense, and there's very little movement up and down. Mm-hmm. They are showing a remarkable consistency, which gives me hope that that will project out the rest of the season. Because if they stay consistent, yeah, uh, I think 14 wins is definitely possible. Is definitely possible, and 15 is not unreasonable. It's that they could just trip up one time the rest of the way that is conceivable now and even if they you look at these these next five games and they stumble somewhere along the way that still is going to put them at 10 and 2 at that point and then they face most of the rest of their games which i think outside of the uh outside of the uh that cardinals game it's all divisional opponents yeah, they, they the play last five or division. Washington, New York, Washington again. They have the cards. And then they finish against the Philadelphia Eagles who are looking at 
their upcoming schedule and say, here's our chance to get back in the race. And we're just looking at them going like, yeah, right, buddy. So, (laughs) uh, you know, maybe, maybe we underestimate them. uh, But yeah, I just, I don't see that this, this is doable folks. I can see the Cowboys. I really think there's a chance the Cowboys can get through this this year with only three losses. I think that is almost something you could put money on. I think, uh, you know, I think them going 13 and four is looking more like the floor. Are we being too optimistic here, Roy? No. I mean, I don't think so. But then again, I've been pounding that drum all season long. It's a combination of what you are capable of and what your opponents are capable of. And quite honestly, for a lot of the Cowboys season, and this is what happens when you have a season like they did in 2010, or excuse me, 2020, when you're the worst team in the division, you get to play all the worst teams in the rest of the NFC as a result of that. And would we want to trade places with the Washington Redskins, with the Washington football team, excuse me, who had to go up against Green Bay and has to go up against the Rams and then also has to tussle with the best team in the NFC South a season ago? Or would we like to do what we got to do, which is to play all the worst teams in the NFC and then play a division as well? It, you know, well, it actually, we, a- were, we were actually up against the number two team, weren't we? Because yes, we finished I'm sorry. Up yeah. Just, mm-hmm. yeah, but still, and, and what usually happens is that year to year, one of those teams suddenly outperforms what it did the previous year, and other teams stay pretty much at or lower. And this year, the Cowboys happen to be that team that's outperforming its seeding because of last season's one loss record. And the other thing, we've talked about all these personnel problems the other teams have had. The Cowboys have gotten to 6-1 and one while dealing with a bunch of those personnel problems, and they're going to start trickling back in. Amen. And the Cowboys, by the way, like you said, they've had the personnel problems. They still do. Tyron Smith being out is a problem in my estimation, but – with the depth that they've shown, they just keep rolling right along. And at some point in the near future, we can expect Tank Lawrence to come back and give a boost to that defense. We can expect Michael Gallup to come back and give a little boost to that offense. So the cavalry is still waiting in the wings to assist the Dallas Cowboys and make them an even better football team than they are now. And the one they are now, in Tom and I's estimation, is a damn good one. So with that, sir, prediction for the Cowboys against the Denver Broncos this weekend. When I combine the return of Dak as we expect, a defense that got, as Bob Stern put it, a little bit angry at the end of the last game uh, after three consecutive calls that even the announcers were saying they didn't see them as penalties. And uh, Trevon Diggs, who didn't get an interception and has got to be wanting to get back on that track. Uh, yeah, I think it's time to get back over 30 points. Uh, mm-hmm. 
I don't think the Broncos are going to be able to muster anything like that. So I'm looking at, it, say, about a 34 to 18 win for the Cowboys. I'm right there with you. 37-17 Cowboys win in a landslide. This is one they get to run away with and literally may run away with is Ezekiel Elliott. I'm looking for a buck 50 against the Denver Broncos because he's going to get a lot of touches because they're going to have this game in hand fairly early and they're going to want to make Dak's return as easy as possible. Uh, why not lean on the running game to do that against an offense that probably can't match you at 25 points to begin with. So Cowboys win big against the Denver Broncos, both Tom and I's prediction. See the Cowboys win their seventh straight football game. And who knows, maybe one of these number one teams that they're up against vying for that number one spot, maybe they fall off this weekend, especially keep an eye on those Packers taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. That's one I will be watching. But for Tom, I'm Roy. This is another episode of getting riled up on the Cowboys. We appreciate you listening. Make sure you download all the fantastic podcasts at the Blog and the Boys Podcast Network, powered, of course, by our friends at SB Nation. Give us a follow on social media as well, at Tom Ryle BTB, at Roy White uh, RW3 on Twitter. And uh, we appreciate you listening. With that, happy Thursday. We'll see you next time. We out. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.